Welcome to the Aging Gracefully Podcast. I'm Janae Anderson. And I'm Mary Thompson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels every moment of our lives. Mary, when we've been over to my house, have you noticed that now there's a little waterfall going down and I light a candle before we do a podcast and things like that. Have you noticed these changes? I noticed, I noticed the fountain in the front hallway. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice the candle, but it's, yeah, so I did notice the waterfall. Is that something that's, different? That's, that's Huga. Huga? Huga. Huga. Huga is a, a concept that I am starting to live my life by. And so, yes, she's, Mary is looking at me with a very confused face. <laughs> so so first, let me spell it for you because it, um, it's H-Y-G-G-E, but it's pronounced Huga. Huga. And it's Danish. Danish. So it began with um, the fact that, the, that uh, people in Denmark have to um, have such long winters and um, how to make that tolerable. So the, they are known for having lots and lots of candles. And um, the, so the whole concept of Huga is um, it acknowledges a special feeling or moment. It can be felt alone with friends, at home or out, ordinary or extraordinary, but it's always cozy and charming. And um, it denotes like contentedness and coziness and comfort and kinship Hmm. um it's more a feeling than anything else but you can add a waterfall and light candles or um Mm -hmm. it's it's things that are a bomb to the soul okay yeah so have you noticed a difference when you when you put the waterfall in say or when you light the candle what do you notice for yourself when i do huga when you do if you do huga it's yeah, a it's I, a verb well, it's an that's adjective that's what it's i say noun. anyway yeah okay. I, I don't actually know huga your house do huga. <laughs> so like if i'm going to cook a meal now i i have a little fountain in the kitchen windowsill and i i put the fountain on and i light a candle and it sets the tone for me it's like oh yeah and I'm able to ground, and I'm able to more be in my heart, um, and mm-hmm. more mindful. Because yoga is very much about being present, but not just being in the moment, but enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on a yoga Facebook page, and everybody's always sending pictures of uh, my yoga, like their sunroom surrounded by nature, or a walk that they take in nature, or their cats, because cats are very yoga. <laughs> So I'm trying to think about this. So when you did this, do you start in one space and move around the house? Or how do you do it? How, what did, you, did you think about rooms that needed huga? It's recommended that you start with a huga nook. A so huga you make nook. a little place where you can hang out and drink your cup of tea and read a book or look out at nature or whatever. And when you look around, there's plants and there's sunlight and mm-hmm. you know, crystals or whatever it is that's bomb for your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I haven't really done the nook thing yet. Um, but I mm-hmm. have gone through various parts of the house and added bits and pieces to make it more Huga. Mm-hmm. Now, did your family know you were doing this? Have you noticed, do they notice it or is it something that's kind of in the background? They've noticed like mm-hmm. my son, especially when I set up the waterfall and the candle, he just couldn't believe it. He, he felt like it was so extraordinarily beautiful. That's lovely. And it's nothing fancy, you know. It's this little 
fountain, but it is lovely. But it's, you brought intention to the area yeah. and you kind of made a focus of it. Because I think of surrounding myself with things and then after a very short time, you don't notice them yeah. so much. Yeah. But you're actually interacting with these things, turning the fountain on, lighting the candle. Yeah. And I think it's it has bringing a real... nature in because mm -hmm. you know how calming and beautiful nature is. So mm -hmm. it's having plants or um, other things that remind you of nature, collecting pine cones and making a little something with them, all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really intentional living. Kind it of. is. It's intentional living in a way that calms and soothes and relaxes you. And, and it's also saying, and this very much applies to people getting older, it's also saying it's okay to slow down. Mm -hmm. Enjoy slowing down. Enjoy stopping and just being. Mm -hmm. Another Huga thing is that you don't do two things at once. You don't multitask. Oh, right? I love that. Yeah, me too. So it's just being. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful thing to just be. It is, isn't it? And mm -hmm. not that easy. We're mm -hmm. not used to it. And I would imagine it spills out, too. You do it in one area, and then it spills into the next area, and the next, and pretty soon the whole living space is cozier. I think that that's true. And I also think that some people live their entire lives never really being. Mm -hmm. You know? And so, therefore, are they really living? is my question. Are we just running from one thing to the next to the next? Our mind always somewhere else, past or future. And boy, to just stop, practice a little yoga and really enjoy the moment is huge. Mm -hmm. And yoga is, is not like just within a house. Yoga is the clothes we choose, but comfy, beautiful fabrics. You know, mm -hmm. where we choose to go out walking in nature, the music we choose to listen to. And as you say, it does spread like I find that I'm having dreams now where I'm being mindful in my dreams. Oh. I'm noticing things that I don't normally notice in my dreams. It's oh, really wow. interesting. That's really interesting having it spill into your subconscious. Yeah, it really and is. If we could become calm on a subconscious level, think of how powerful that would be in our waking lives. Yeah, yeah, and, and the effect it would have on others too because there's got to be a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Do you notice, um, I've always found this, if I get intentional around cooking where I light a candle and I'm cooking, then people either don't disturb me or they come in more gentle. You know, they, they don't, they see that, oh, I'm doing something because I've lit this candle. You know, it kind of set the stage for, I must be doing some good work there. Oh, I like that. I haven't noticed that, but what I've noticed for myself is that if somebody comes into my space while I'm in that space, that I'm, it's much more easy for me to embrace them and go just inwardly say, okay, now this is this person, and to to enjoy the huga and the beauty of that person. Mm -hmm. So it sets the coziness in this in the space. It invites people to move into that space. Now, how about this huga Facebook group? What's that like? You said that they post pictures and stuff. Um, and it's it's all about people creating these kind of spaces so you'd see what they've created. Sometimes, um, sometimes people write about their parents who have died and what they've set up to commemorate them or, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's all kinds of, uh, you'll see little babies and my grandson, he's my Huga. Just little things like that. Mm -hmm. that um, whatever it is that's, as I keep saying, balm for the soul, but not only that, but also calmness to the mind and relaxation mm -hmm. to the body. Well, let's go back to that phrase, balm for the soul. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel or how would you characterize something that would that would fall into that category? 
<laughs> Whatever it is that makes you exhale like that. Uh-huh. But you can um, really finally relax. Yeah, like for me when I get down on my yoga mat, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it comes with a big exhale like, ah, here I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it for you, Mary? What makes you exhale like that? Bed at night. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of that. It's like, okay, that was that day's over. I did a good job, and now I get to sleep. Um, so it's always comes back to relaxation after activity, because that's what I'm picturing in my mind, sitting down in the chair after the walk, um, playing with the dog. Is always That's going to give me that. It's, it might also be when he feels really satisfied, which you know how dogs, it's, he's a puppy still, and so he's never really fully satisfied with the amount of attention he's gotten or the amount of food that he's gotten, the amount of anything he's gotten. So I think when I see that he's at that point of satisfaction, you know, that kind of gives me a, oh, Then yeah. you can relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Huga is not saying that we don't go out and have busy times, but it's saying balance. Mm-hmm. Balance the busy and then come back and rest. And from that place of you know, sinking in to your exhale and your deeper place of relaxation and your soul satisfaction then when you go out into the busy again you experience it differently Mm -hmm. a phrase i use in teaching often is prepare do recover which is we are a great society for doing you know what are you doing what are you doing this weekend where are you gonna where are you gonna go what's gonna happen Uh, what we don't do really well is prepare for activity and recover from activity and it sounds like in huga that uh, the preparation often is kind of grunt work, right? I'm getting things ready to go. Maybe I'm doing, I take it with running, that um, the warming up ahead of time is preparing, making sure the body's ready for whatever's coming at it, and then go do the thing, and then we come back and recover. We don't do do prepare and recover really well. We don't do it well, (laughs) no. Because doing is fun, and preparing and recovering are not as much fun. You know, it's really interesting um, that you say this, because my son... He's 17 now, and he got a job recently, so I'm not seeing a lot of him because he also got his license, so mm-hmm. he's just gone. He goes to school, he drives himself, he goes to work, he drives himself, he's soccer practice, and my friends are saying, well, what are you doing now that he's gone? And the truth is, I'm not doing very much. I I, I believe I'm in recovery from 17 <laughs> rather intense years of right. raising a child, mm-hmm. um, and is it okay to, because uh, I haven't actually said that to my friends. I haven't said I'm not doing much. I say, oh, I do this and I do that. But the truth is, I'm not doing that much. And is it okay to have rest and retreat? But there's, yeah, and that's the problem. It's just like, if we're not doing something, you know, do we have worth? Do we have value? Right. But the recovery, I'm recovering. And yes. I'm going to reinvest. I'm going to reinvent myself. Yeah. Because I think when we have these roles where we we have these roles where we've got um, an identity tied up in whatever it is we're doing. And we stop doing that thing. You know, then we, we want to take the time to say, okay, what is my identity now? How does my identity shift? Right. Yeah. And do we give ourselves that time for reflection and rest? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Huga people on that Facebook page started taking pictures of and showing this book, Wintering. The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times by Catherine May. It's a new book out, and so I had to get it. Um, (laughs) And in it, she tells her personal story, which was that she was in a a busy job that was not good for her, um, doing well at it, but it wasn't working. And um, eventually she got in such bad stomach pain that she had to leave the job. But she said that 
if the doctor hadn't have said, you need to stop working, that she wouldn't have felt right. Even though she knew she had to stop working, she had to have the doctor's permission. permission. <laughs> you know, he had to give her that sanction. And uh, really, is that how far we have to take it? Can oh, yeah. we courageously say, I need time to rest and retreat. I need time to winter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just be in stillness and quiet, uh, like mm -hmm. hibernate, like the bears. And, um, and then when we come out of a wintering time, whether it's an hour or a month, um, we're different. We're, mm -hmm. we're not the same. And we're ready. Yes. We're ready for what's going to come next because we've given ourselves a chance to fully integrate or recover from what has gone before. Yeah. So with wintering, so that's about, what would you call it? The powerful, the power of rest and retreat. Yeah. It's a beautiful so, book. Yeah. Highly recommend it. So what in there, what speaks to you in there? What is there any particular concept that you want to mention? Well, because I am asleep. I have been a sleep-deprived person in my life um, ever since, actually, my son was born, <laughs> 17 years now. Um, she, she too, talks about insomnia. And then about second sleep. Have you heard that concept? Second sleep? The concept no. concept of second sleep. So apparently this was, um, this was this done in historic times where halfway through the night, approximately, that the parent or parents would get up and stoke the fire and make sure the kids were okay and maybe just have some quiet time to themselves to meditate or reflect or write or whatever it was and then go back to bed for a second sleep. Hmm. And um, that's what I do. And mm -hmm. for years, I thought it. I thought that I wake up at two or three in the morning and I should be sleeping through the night. But since reading this book, I'm allowing myself to get up. And the house is just so quiet and sacred at that hour in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, I sit and I meditate. Sometimes I stretch a bit. And it's beautiful and powerful and mystical. And then I go back for my second sleep. Mm -hmm. And it's really affected me in a lovely, lovely way. It's nice to give yourself permission to do the things your body wants to do anyway. That's and what the whole book is about. And what Hugh is about is giving yourself permission. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting concept, giving yourself permission. Yeah, to be comfortable, mm -hmm. to stop, to slow down. To not meet someone's demands outside of yourself for what you should be doing in the moment, but to feel into your body for what the body needs and what would be the best, what's in your best interest. Yes, yes. What, what is your heart calling you to do, even if it looks different from anyone else's expectations of you? Mm -hmm. It's tough, though. It, it is tough. It is, but do we want to wait until we get hit by a two-by-four and then we have to do it? I remember I had, I had to have surgery a number of years ago, and I had to take six weeks off to recover from the surgery. And I said, I created this just so I could get these six weeks off, right. you know, and I thought, why couldn't I have given myself that, that gift? Or I remember about the same time I wanted to go to halftime work and it was not an acceptable option to my husband at the time. And it was, and I realized now looking back is why didn't I just say, well, this is what I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> and right. Just go ahead and do it or find uh, some compromise instead of, you know, Giving over, giving over power, looking for permission to do something that I wanted to do. Yeah. It's really yeah. Um, a powerful thing to look at in, in one's lives. Mm -hmm. And we just got this one life to, to navigate. And so why to make so many compromises for our well-being? Yeah. And why can't we age the way we want to age? Mm -hmm. You know, if aging means that we want to slow down and, and not uh, walk three miles a day and maybe just 
two miles every other day or whatever. <laughs> why can't we? You know, why can't right. we slow down? Why can't we stop? Mm-hmm. Have a cup of tea and, and look out at nature or sit out in nature. And, right. Yeah. But see, and there's nothing stopping us from doing that except for our own, mm-hmm. oh, what do we call that? That little... Mind, the mental, mental, the mental chatter that goes yeah, on that yeah. says, you know, you can't do this. That's bad. Yeah. You know, something that was put in that in that box a long time ago. Yeah, it's like the Dalai Lama says. You know, we are our own prisoners, prisoners of our minds. Ooh, yeah. And I think with what I'm trying to tie this in with Huga and with wintering, and it's just this concept that we are the ones preventing ourselves from being cozy and opening and calm. So stop it. <laughs> I think, you know, I, the, the concept of, of spaciousness comes up for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, because if we're busy and we're focused and we're intense, it's kind of a tightness. And Huga is a spaciousness. It's allowing space, mm-hmm. space for recovery, space for healing, space for whatever's next. Mm-hmm. But if we don't allow it to happen, then it could well be whatever's next is not really what our heart is calling for. Mm-hmm. It could be just what the mind sees could be the best next step because mm-hmm. it makes more money or keeps us busy or whatever it is. We, and sometimes that's perfect. Yes. Sometimes it's perfect. Um, I think there's a, the one thing I think about is if I see food, if I see something, like I walk into the bank and the woman has a little jar of candy or something on her desk, and then I want it. I didn't want it a moment before, but now I've seen it, and now I want it. Um, and I think of it like the next thing. If I haven't given myself time to think beforehand about what do I want, then I'm going to see something, and I'm going to say, well, that'll do. And because I'm so focused on doing, that I'm just going to go off in that direction. So I think it's really powerful to allow ourselves to have the spaciousness to consider what is it I want. And this was something I was going to say earlier, when we've identified with a position like a parent or a teacher or something else we've identified with, and suddenly that shifts, it's important to consider what do I want to invite in? What is the next thing that's going to come in and fill this space? So it's kind of like when people are asking, what are you doing? You're, it's like, well, I'm not having to drive around for a couple hours a day and drop my son places. What am I doing with those extra hours? And right now, where you say, well, I might not be doing much, but you're doing some pretty profound stuff. It's true. You're doing some self-care, some deep work on your home and yourself and making it Huga. Yeah. Yeah. And it is very profound. So take it from me. Stop. Rest. <laughs> reflect. Um, I think Hugo and Hugo with heart mm-hmm. is a lovely, lovely way to live. And I know you are very close. You're, you're heading up to that precipice where you are going to let your work behind. And uh, I highly mm-hmm. recommend you do some Hugo. Not only Hugo, I think it's going to be really important. I've got, I think I'm looking at about eight weeks. At the end of eight weeks, my teaching commitments, my outside teaching commitments will come to an end and then I'm going to be free free to navigate my day or fill my day in the ways without outside commitments. I'll still, I'll still have some commitments, but I think it's really important to have that rest time, that reflection time, a time period where you can just go, Oh, Oh, that's what you got with the yoga. Except for that was a little bit different. That was more of a satisfied sigh. Mine was a dropping of the shoulders, letting go of all the cares of the world. sigh, which is also very much yoga. And you know, there 
are parts of it that are real uncomfortable. Like, what are you going to do today? Um, I don't know. You know, just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And uh, for me, it's allowing myself to be uncomfortable. That's also Hugo. It's not fighting whatever's present, mm -hmm. you know. Okay, so now I'm going to feel uncomfortable until that passes. Okay, now that's passed. Oh, I'm going to go do this now, you know, read my mm -hmm. favorite book or whatever it is. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, I want to explore that. It was H-Y-G-G-E. H-Y-G-G-E, Huga, and that was from Denmark. Yes. Good, I will look into that. Well, Janae, thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. Okay, this is Mary Thompson. And Janae Anderson signing off. All right.